We good? We good? We good? Gucci. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to episode 106 of the Guardian Project podcast. I'm your host, Andy. And Coyle, would you say you generally like my outfits? Yeah, sure. That's because I've got discerning taste. Ah, very nice. <laughs> and I'm your other host, Mike Coyle. And, um, you know, this past weekend, I had a dinner that I think was made by Asmorano Marticadice de Coldicar because I ate too much food and felt sick damage to myself <laughs> that was painful that was not a great one <laughs> please listen carefully and this is the podcast where we talk about all things magic the gathering but mostly commander so we've got a lot to talk about before we go through our um main topic today uh but we've got a new secret layer super drop coming this is the uh secret layers all natural totally refreshing super drop this one's got something for everybody it's in the summer so i guess it's refreshing like a summer shandy sure which is beer if you are of age and i like it refreshing correct if you're not of age it's terrible Don't drink for it. you but it's also it's well it's terrible for you even if you're of age <laughs> none of them are good for you <laughs> the, the doctor never recommends one beer a day yeah no no they don't so <clears throat> um actually starting today um this uh the super drop went on sale so this is going to be available from june 21st through july 23rd if you follow us on social media you likely already saw our post about this going live so we've got a few different uh bundles in here so there's saturday morning D D that includes commander sphere war of invention heroes down fall um unbreakable formation primal vigor and impact tremors so there's some pretty cool stuff there for commander primal vigor big deal big yeah deal. big 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 deal um there is an artist series for mark pool uh balance birds of paradise brainstorm wasteland howling mine and counterspell if you don't have a wasteland this is a pretty good way to get one it sure is and a new cool artwork that you can get in foil too. Uh, special guest Fiona Staples, Metallic Mimic, Dryad of the Elysian Grove, Oscar Tribe Elder, Soulscar Mage, and Spellqueller. Love that Metallic Mimic art. Beautiful. Yeah, it's like a little piratey pirate goblin. Goblin. Yeah. Pirate goblin. Uh, the next one is special guest Jen Bartell, Archaeomancer, Bloom Tender, Meteor Golem, and Mesa Enchantress. Bloom Tender, great card. Uh, amazing card. That Meteor Golem art is a dope it's like coming out of a volcano it's just coming out of a volcano yeah, every meteor golem <laughs> we've had so far is like the super superhero uh landing uh meteor golem now we have something this one's that's like some i color. just walked out of lava yeah, it's really cool come at me <laughs> uh the next one something that people have been very excited for we've got the phyrexian praetors complete edition so this is um <clears throat> Uh, their names are actually in the Phyrexian text. So we've got Elish Norn, uh, Jingataxius, Vorinclex, uh, Urabrask, and Shieldred. Ah, I remembered all of them. I wasn't even looking at the names here. <laughs> so uh, these are real cool. You can actually get these in foil. $30 uh, for non-foil or uh, $40 for foil. I mean, if you're a foil fan... And I know the secret layer has been getting better with with warping and stuff because mm-hmm. they're they're being sealed now at, like in those individual wrappers like uh, you do uh, like you get at a pre release now mm-hmm. as opposed to being in those boxes. So that's really exciting. Um, and then we have Mother's Day 2021, four different artworks with Mother of Runes. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I like this one a lot. And then 
there's there's still more. There's mm-hmm. still more. We've got Dan Frazier. Uh, there's the Allied Signets and the Enemy Signets. So all ten Signets. New artwork. Old border deliciousness yes and there's some some other dan fraser artwork uh getting out there uh that also looks really cool that i'm crossing my fingers ends up on a card or a play mat or something yeah yeah spoiler alert mute for like two seconds if you don't want to hear but it looks like there was an arcane signet an arcane signet art that was accidentally released early do we know if it was so i think i think it's on the ultra pro website they they released the play mat with the artwork um so you're going to be, it might just be play mat artwork. Maybe it'll be a bonus card. We're not saying it's going to be. We're not saying, you know, don't come at us if it's not the bonus card in any of these. Come at layers. Coil. No, don't but do not that me. either. Not but, it, <laughs> but it looks really cool. Um, kind of looks like a combination of all the the moxes because this is, if you're not familiar, uh, Andy informed me on the drive over here today that Dan Frazier is in fact the artist on the original mox uh, artworks. So um i really want to get whatever artwork that is on i would love to get that play mat so look you do a little bit of google and maybe you'll find it yes and then the the final the final update here with the secret layer is that they are going to be coming in new packaging so we are going to have slim packaging that really is like a just a sealed white envelope that has like a pull tab like a one of those rip tabs that yeah. you can open as opposed to getting a box with plastic and all that extra junk that we didn't need um Hopefully we can move forward with all this recyclable material. Modern Masters 2015 did it. Cardboard packages. They did do cardboard packages. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that one was very difficult to manage though. (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is a little different, but yeah. So um, there's that. And there is a play mat by secret layer as well. Um, So you can get lots of, lots of good stuff here. So um, that is it for the secret layer. We've got about a month. Yeah. Order if you want some. We'll There's plenty of time now. So it's not sure. like one week or three days. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the next thing on the news we're talking about, uh, we've talked about it a little bit before, but there's some refinement to the news. And this is the Mystery Booster Convention Edition. It's, uh, as we know, it's coming to our local game stores, select local game stores that are, uh, I think, higher on the, the Wizards uh, tier. Um, and they are going to be making some changes to the convention edition. So I thought that that this was just going to be leftover convention edition from conventions and stuff, but they're actually um, changing uh, some of the cards. They're removing a list of cards. I'm not going to go through the entire list. We're going to have the uh, the link available uh, in the show notes. So you can see all of the cards that are being removed. And instead of replacing those cards with new cards, they are just making some other cards have higher frequency. Um, but if you played Mystery Boosters not at a convention, you're probably not familiar with the R&D playtest cards. So definitely when this does reach your local game store, if it reaches the local game store by you, um, if you get a chance to draft this, it's really cool uh, for these R&D playtest cards. So make sure to check it out. Yeah, we've never done that. Um, but I'm excited because I know our LGSs, at least one of them, will will have some of this. And they're mm-hmm. for they're for drafting only. They're not yes. just for sale to to go buy. So right. I'm excited to play with that. We've also got some Oracle changes. So um, <clears throat> there had been some some rumors about the Phyrexian uh, creature type being added. Obviously, Vorinclex Monstrous Raider from Kaldheim is a legendary Phyrexian Praetor. Um, there have been 250 cards updated that all had the Phyrexian creature type errated to them so that's exciting so you can now go start working on your thoracene commander deck mm-hmm. um i assume we're gonna i mean i would imagine we're gonna get some multicolor praetors when we go back it would be cool you know yeah the and then two- that'll be the new commander hotness so it'll still just be more fun 
<laughs> no, maybe it'll be a five color printer. Who knows? That would be crazy if like Ella, Ella Schnorn absorbed. Complete. Oh, Andy, don't get me that excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also had two creatures um, get the ranger creature type. So Quirion Ranger and Ranger Captain of Eos both gained the ranger type um, with the Modern Horizons 2 release. No other creatures have been updated at this time. And then <clears throat> for those of you playing Raynar the Ever Watchful, there were some updates um, as part of the Strixhaven update. But that errata that it got at that time kind of altered the way that it functioned um, further than it was actually intended. So um, the new text for Raynar now says Flying Vigilance. The first card you foretell each turn costs zero to foretell. And whenever one or more cards are put into exile from your hand or a spell or ability you control exiles one or more permanents from the battlefield, create a 1-1 spirit creature token with flying. So it's a little different um, than the way that it was written. But this this lines up with with some of the cards that came out in Strixhaven with the with copying and whenever you do something. So we had some updates there. So those are our oracle changes. So this was a that was a pretty big errata for those creature types. I think the last time we saw that was right noble. Yeah, when noble they added noble, in, which in was throne of Eldraine. Yeah. yeah, which was what a, a year and a half ago mm-hmm. at this point. I'm, I still haven't <clears> seen a noble uh, deck EDH deck yet. But have you seen a Kenrith deck? I have seen Kenrith it's helmed decks. by a noble. That's technically true. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to be true. Yes, the technically you've told true, me this. You've the, told yeah the best the best kind of correct. Yes, <laughs> technically correct. Um, so Andy, you and I both had a pretty busy week um, streaming. Uh, I know I got to stream with Mister Bevers on Tuesday, and I got to stream with the Scrap Trawlers on Sunday, uh, and you got to stream with Slick Judge on Tuesday. Yeah. So, oh yeah, because because we I I streamed and then I watched your stream. I only watched your second game, not your first game. Yes, because your games were still going when we started. Right, right. And I stayed up late, like an adult. Mm, very true. It was Pacific time, so I got to stay up till 1 a.m. And then I, I got up, I went to work. Because you're an adult, and sometimes that's what adults Remember when do. you used to do that, and you were like 18, you're like, Ugh, it's 3 a.m., I guess I'm going to go to bed. Oh, crap, I got to be work at 7. And it like felt like nothing. Yeah. It doesn't feel like nothing anymore. No, it's but finally I, catching up. But I did it. But I did it. And then did you take a nap the next day? Uh, I think I just went to bed like really? earlier on, like the next yeah. day I think I went to bed at like 10. Yeah. I was like, we're, we're out. Sense, <laughs> but it was sense. a lot of fun. I got to play Selvala, um, Explore Return for a couple of games. I played Malcolm and Vile Smasher. Um, have yet to do a combo yet with Selvala, but it was a turn off. I, I saw the I saw the card. The writing was on the wall, yeah. but there was another deck that won. Um, but go check that out. And then... Um, I, I got my win with Malcolm and Vile Smash with Glenhorn Buccaneer, and that was pretty cool. It's, uh, I, it's cool every time. I got the closest I've ever gotten to, to uh, or no, I think I've won one game with it, with my uh, Zergo Helm Smasher deck. Yeah? Uh, I, I killed two people with it, which was fun. One of them was uh, Hatred on Curve. Uh, so turn turn five, swing with oh Zergo gosh. Hatred to make it 21 power and kill uh, the host, Mr. Bevers, which was, which was fun to do. <laughs> <laughs> mean, but fun to do. Um, but then uh, with the scrap trawlers, uh, we did $50 budget decks where we had to build a commander that started with a certain letter. I got the letter K and uh, built the Kroxa deck and, while also fitting World Gorger Dragon and Anime Dead combo in it. Yeah, they said they said combo away if, if you can That's fit it right. in, right? That's right. They said as long as it fits in $50. And it does when you run like 42 basics or something like that. Chat so, was going crazy. I was watching the game when I you were, were going off. Yeah, so we attempted it once and got interrupted. 
Uh, so didn't win the first game. And the second game, I was about to go off. I had final parting in hand to set up the combo with seven mana about to untap. And um, I think it was like an Atali trigger or something to exile the top card of my library. And the top card of my library was Animate Dead. And I, do, <laughs> I, I don't run Redundancy because all the redundancy of Animate Dead's expensive. Like yeah. Necromancy and Dance of the Dead and all that. Yeah, so you can't run anything else. So you had to just rely on Kroxa and some other creatures to just kind of get there. Yeah, I had like I didn't win, um, but I had like yeah, a bunch of discard effects and stuff. I think I got second place both times. Oh, okay. Uh, dying to 1-800 are you flapping <laughs> double slapping Zatalpa. <laughs> yeah, Nick's deck was, was really cool. Was I, I was watching that first game and as soon as Zatalpa hit, I just remember Andy Zepke going anybody have any type of exile removal because I don't know how we deal with this bird. Yeah. I Who ha- got their game one? Was it? It was, yeah, it was Nick, right? It was with Nick. The birds, Nick won yeah. both games. Yeah. Oh, really? Mono White won both games. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, I had an Eat to Extinction in hand, but there was a possibility storm on the battlefield. So I oh. couldn't remove Kaikar. Oh, wow. And I ended up wheeling it away and killing Andy's upkeep with Neheb by swinging at him six turns in a row with it. Uh oh. <laughs> well, Six turns in a row. It was six turns. It was literally Sometimes you get there with Neheb after it swings six <laughs> times. <laughs> so we also had a had our, an opportunity to play D&D in person for the first time. And I just kind of wanted to mention that how much fun it was. And, you know, we're playing a Ravnica campaign. So we are. Relevant. To- playing a Rakdos puppeteer. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. My puppet insults other people and my character apologizes for the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very interesting dynamic. Uh, charisma checks all the time. All, all the time. All the time. Well, check out all of their content. Mr. Bevers, Scrap Trawler, Slick Judge. And if you want to check out our content or support us, you can head to patreon.com slash the Guardian Project Pod. And if you're looking for another way to support the podcast, whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on now, if you could like, subscribe, follow. If you're listening on YouTube, hit that bell icon and you will get notifications whenever we release new videos on our YouTube channel. Um, Drop a comment. We love interacting in the comment section. Love it. It's our favorite thing to do. Literally. Coil, what is on the agenda? So today we are doing another patron deck tech. So we've done this once before. Uh, There is a patron tier that you can uh, get to where we will be doing uh, twice before. Yeah, uh, twice we have done. It we have done before. it twice. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, so uh, we are we are reviewing our patron Parker Stockwell's Aurelia, the War Leader deck today. Yes. So it's fun. It's I mean we both played against it, um, and we're gonna break it, it does, down a little. It bit. does. Uh, it does combaty things. So are you ready to fly right in? Twice. Exactly. So Aurelia the War Leader is a 3-4 angel with flying, vigilance, and haste for two red, red, white, white, and says whenever Aurelia the War Leader attacks for the first time each turn, untap all attacking creatures you control. After this phase, there's an additional combat phase. Is it all attacking creatures or just all creatures? It says untap. Nope, it's all creatures. Okay. Yeah, just all creatures you control. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this deck is obviously trying to swing to win right like that's the theme we're going to swing to win no so there's a there's a special theme going on in this deck and that is legendary matters theme so we're going to see a lot of legendary creatures uh and then also some permanents that care about legendary um you know a lot of times you'll see legendary matters when it comes to like clones and like trying to get rid of the legendary effect that's not what we're seeing here it's just trying to put down a bunch of not what, what do you call legendary? I mean, planeswalkers are called super friends. 
are legendary creatures called anything in particular? A nickname like that? Just really great. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> so you're going to have a board of really great creatures. <laughs> yeah, no, you're putting down lots of legendary creatures. But the thing is, all these legendary creatures, they, they all kind of do a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like each one has its own issue. You're like, that will be a problem if I don't if I don't take care of it now. So the deck is actually running 38 spells slash lands. So permanence in general mm-hmm. that are legendary. Um, and we are we are going to just be laying stuff down and hopefully making your opponents have to deal with the problematic cards. Um, so we've got lots of cards that are going to give us card advantage, though. And funny enough, you say that in the red-white variety. Yes. But... It, I mean, it's difficult, right? Red-white, card draw. What are you going to... It's, it's, it's not necessarily card draw. Card advantage, like you said. Um, that we're going to take advantage of and Aralia allowing us to have uh, two combats every single turn. We're going to take take extra advantage of creatures or maybe a vehicle that has attack triggers or damage triggers. Right. So the first one here is a Tali Primal Storm, um, a 6-6 Elder Dinosaur for four red red that says when it attacks, exile the top card of each player's library. You may cast cards, uh, non-land cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. That's really great. Yeah. Amazing. Free. Uh, take all of your opponent's blue cards so because you don't get to play them. Or or green. And then you might ramp yourself like crazy. That's very true, too. I mean, free cards are free cards. Plus, it's a... I mean, I know Itali... It, it takes six mana to get Itali up, but it's also a 6-6. Six, six. It's a threat. It's great. Exactly. And you get to attack twice. Uh, so the next one here I have is uh, Grenzo Havoc Razor. So Grenzo Havoc Razor is a red, red, 2-2 two, two goblin rogue. Says whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, choose one. You can either go target creature that player controls, or you can exile the top card of that player's library until end of turn. You may cast that card, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. So this one in this this card in particular is good if you have like a lot of creatures on the battlefield, mm-hmm. and there are a few creatures in this deck that are actual uh, token generators that maybe would be in good combination here with Grenzo, um, but Aralia B. Being six mana to get out, you're going to need to play some cards to help you with card advantage on the way up there. And Grenzo being a two drop, amazing. Yeah. The next one's actually a three drop here. You've got Layla the Blade Reforged. So Layla is a spirit warrior for two and a red, a two, two that says haste. And whenever uh, Layla the Blade Reforged attacks, exile the top card of your library, you may play that card this turn. And whenever you exile one or more cards from your library and or your graveyard, put a plus one plus one counter on Layla. Yes, that's great. There's there's not a ton of synergy built into the deck with that uh, that exile ability on Layla, so mm-hmm. it seems like Layla's in here really to just try to get one extra card per turn. Exactly. Oh, and eventually, it, you know, two two just becomes a three three. Then a four, and you know, if you can get it out early enough, mm-hmm. some people just can't won't be able to deal with that. That's very true. Um, so I did make reference a little while ago to a vehicle, uh, and so that's uh, the last one here with an attack damage trigger, uh, and that's Weatherlight. So Weatherlight, not the Weatherlight, like I always say, but just Weatherlight, is a four-mana ve- legendary artifact vehicle, 4-5 with flying. This is whenever Weatherlight deals combat damage to a player. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a historic card from among them, that being a saga, artifact, or legendary card, and put it into your hand. Put the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order, and it crews for three. Um, in most cases, you know, you're, you're going to be saying, oh, which creature do I not want to attack with this turn? But the Weatherlight is going to be huge card advantage for here, being able to find your legendary creatures. And even if you whiff, you're probably going to hit an artifact. So it's it's amazing card advantage for this. Yeah, continue with card advantage. Mangara, the Diplomat, 
a 2-4 legendary uh, human cleric for three and a white that says lifelink whenever an opponent attacks. Um, with Whenever an opponent attacks with creatures, if two of those creatures are attacking you or planeswalkers you control, draw a card. Yeah. This card's great. I actually really like this card. I don't see it played very often. Mm-hmm. I run it and I almost never get to cast it. But when you do, it really deters people from swinging at you. One single card deters people from... I'll take it. Yeah. Well, and, and it even helps being a two, four lifelink. I mean, it's got a big butt. It can, it can gain you some life if, if they do swing something at you that you can block. So yeah, totally agree. Mangara. Is it expensive? Yeah. Maybe $10. Maybe that's why people aren't playing it. Could be $10 card. Um, but also in card advantage, red has a few of these uh, things that will exile the top card of your library uh, at the beginning of your turn. And we're going to be playing at least two of them here in Outpost Siege, which is a four mana enchantment. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you choose either cons or dragons. And the card advantage option here is going to be cons. Says at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library until end of turn. You may play that card. I don't think we're really going to be taking advantage of the dragons part, where whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, outpost siege deals one damage to target creature or player. We're not really trying to loop creatures on the battlefield here. So this one's um, pretty much just going to be used for card advantage. And actually the card that Parker seems to like the most, or he at least referenced it as his card advantage card, is Vance's Blasting Cannons. So remember when we said, I want to put this in a deck? Well, mm-hmm. this is the deck. You this is great. It. Yeah, so it's a four mana legendary enchantment. Legendary, so that's important. Um, being a little bit better than Outpost Siege. It says at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. If it's a non-land card, you may cast that card this turn. And whenever you cast your third spell in a turn, you may transform uh, Vance's Blasting Cannon. And on the other side, uh, it becomes a land that can tap for red, or you can pay two in a red and have it deal three damage to target creature or player. So uh, I think Parker would probably want to keep this out as an enchantment as long as possible. But, you know, a little bit of ramp never hurts. Exactly. Well, and we've also got Heroes Podium, an artifact that... Everyone wants to play in their legendary deck. I don't have one, which is the only reason I'm not playing it in my Niambi deck, which is my legendary deck. <clears throat> but it's a legendary artifact for five colorless that says each legendary creature you control gets plus one, plus one for each other legendary creature. And that's pretty great. I mean, it feels very much like a coat of arms just for it's your own personal coat of arms. For sure. Um, but then it has pay X and tap it. Look at the top X cards of your library. You may reveal a legendary creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this is a way to use your mana if you don't have anything to try to get some sort of card advantage. I like this because your creature just get bigger, um, but it is one of the more expensive cards, but it's also foil in this deck and I would absolutely not cut it for that reason. <laughs> not cutting it because it's foil? 100%. And and I, I think this card's a single printing. Like, I just, I love that. Like, this is from Born of the Gods. It's foil. I gotta show it off. No one else is really talking about this card. And when it happens and people get to see it, that's great. It's true. And, and, and yeah, it's I the mean, wow factor. And, and like you said, coat of arms factor is big. And then you take into account that you're getting two combats and it's like, okay, that's, that might even be a win right there. Um, so the next thing for, for card advantage um, is cards that replace themselves uh, or what I like to call tutors. Uh, so there's, <laughs> there's two tutors in this deck uh, and I'll leave the, the one that I think is a little, uh, there's a, there's a controversial part of the deck uh, for one of the tutors. So I'll leave that one a second. So the first one, Thalia's Lancers. So Thalia's Lancers is a three white, white human knight, Uh, 4-4 with first strike. This is when Thalia's Lancers enter the battlefield. You may search your library for a legendary card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Very easy way to just search for 
pretty much any legendary card in this deck that you want. There's legendary lands that we haven't gone over yet, artifacts, enchantments, and creatures uh, to go find. So yeah, if you want, I, I guess the one to make it card advantage, right? You'd want to grab one of them that are going to give you card advantage. You so it's mostly just replacing it here. But the other one here is um, search for glory. So this this is where Coil and I do slightly disagree. <laughs> so search for glory is a snow sorcery for two and a white that says search your library for a snow permanent, a legendary card or a saga card reveal it put it into your hand then shuffle your library you gain one life for each snow mana spent to cast the spell <clears throat> but it is a boros commander specifically with the really nice boros lands and the boros basics and they're they're, they're not snow lands they're not snow covered but it's okay i don't i don't agree flavor over function here if you if you all you're losing out on is three life max it's not gonna, that's a lightning bolt it's not no one runs that how many times have you been exact seized uh for three i'm not sure <laughs> i have been when it's what like about for 31 one? and you're like how did you do that <laughs> i'm just saying every life matters when you swing with your lanoir elves on turn two okay i've flung a lanoir elves before <laughs> and i did win so i guess if they had one if if we had one snow land here it might matter. I'm just so I'm. I'm not <laughs> suggesting to take out your pretty lands and put in snow lands. I'm suggesting maybe you can go around the table and rule zero your Boros lands into snow lands for this literal one card in your deck. Oh, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Or get all of your Boros lands alter arted to be snow covered Boros lands, which would be kind of cool. I, I do want to see Ravnica in the winter. I know I asked you the other day. So, Ravnica so we seasons. Ravnica was in the fall last time when we saw it with guilds and elite and, and Ravnica allegiance. I mean, mm -hmm. he will go to the winter next time. That's right. So <clears throat> let's move on to ways that we're going to slow our opponents down to get ourselves kind of uh, into a, into a better spot here. So there is a, a kind of like a removal package and some hate bears mm -hmm. or, or just not even just hate bears. Cause some of them are not just two twos. Um, just some really uh, difficult cards that your opponents have to deal with. Um, one of them is Thalia. Heretic Cathar, a 3-2 human soldier for two and a white that has first strike and creatures and non-basic lands your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. This matters. <laughs> it really does. I play this in a couple of decks and it really, really slows your opponents down. And it's really nice to get yourself a turn or two because they needed to play something on three and now they have to play it on four or they want to play something else on four so they don't play what they were going to play on three. And I can appreciate that. I mean, if I'm running Authority of the Councils on one, I should be running Thalia on three, I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going for that style of deck, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Thal Thalia is great. Also, legendary. That's right. And then we have uh, Rydane, God of the Worthy, uh, which is a three-mana legendary creature god 2-3 with flying and vigilance. It says, snow lands, your opponent's control, enter the battlefield tapped. We don't I really don't know if that's ever that. going to matter, I'll yeah. be honest. I guess it would if you were playing this deck with Snowlands. That's right. That's right. Um, Non-creature spells your opponents cast with converted mana cost four or greater cost two more to cast. That's the important part uh, here. I don't see many people playing this card. Um, I was going to say that. I think this is one of those cards that we, we have we have been in product overload for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many people are playing this. And my one question was, I actually had to look to the backside to see what the other flip side of this is for the legendary artifact. And it's it's Velkmira Protector Shield for three and a white. It says if a source an opponent control would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, prevent one of that damage. Whenever you or another permanent you control become the target of a spell or an ability an opponent controls, counter that spell or ability unless its controller pays one. I actually, I don't dislike it. I just don't know what side I want to play. I feel like 
for this, I'd want to I'd want to be swinging. Obviously, your commander wants you to swing. Mm-hmm. But I got to play the backside of Bergy for the first time the other day, and that was cool. And it feels good when it really works. So I guess you're playing a bun- against a bunch of one ones, right? If you're playing against a token swarm mm-hmm. of saprolings, you might want to play the other side because it's going to prevent all the damage from the saprolings. So um, interestingly enough, I did the exact same thing you did and had to go to the other side of this. I had to look at to it. Read it. <laughs> And I realized that that this uh, first part of the text is the exact same text that is on uh, Dejiru, except Dejiru only only prevents the first damage dealt to Planeswalkers, but this presents the first damage dealt to any of the permanents you control, including Planeswalkers. So this is redundancy in Dejiru in combination with that Ajani that ultimates that makes it so if any of your permanents would take damage, they only take one damage instead, and mm-hmm. then you prevent the one damage so they can never die. So this deck tech has helped you improve one of your decks. Absolutely. It really <laughs> has. It really has. And, and and I could say that about every single deck tech we've done so far. Yeah. So um, yeah. the next one here is Limvala, Keeper of Silence. So a legendary angel, three, four flying for two white, white that says activated abilities of creatures your opponent's control can't be activated. This is, I think this card's completely fair. Unless you're playing a deck whose commander is the creature with the activated ability as opposed to a triggered ability, mm-hmm. I don't have a, a I don't have a problem with this card. I think it keeps keeps games in check. Um, it really can host some strategies though, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's great. And it's I mean, everything can be killed. There's not nothing that says hexproof or indestructible yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this next one is actually a card that I tried to jam in a standard deck one time and it didn't work, but it's real good in Commander. And that's Tomic, Distinguished Advocates. So yeah, it's a white, white human advisor, 2-3 with flying. This is lands on the battlefield and land cards in graveyards can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control. Your opponents can't play land cards from graveyards. So this is specific hate against land matters car land matters decks uh, that are trying to play stuff out of their graveyard, like Muldrotha, Windgrace, or the Gitrog monster. Um, and we also those want are just to, a few, right? We see so many decks. Omnath returns lands from the. I mean, yeah, there's so Golo, many creatures. Golo. So you just yep. build it into the deck. It doesn't necessarily have to be with the commander. Um, but this also protects your own lands. There are going to be some. Um, somewhat important utility lands i mean there's going to be utility lands that are important for certain situations that you're going to want to protect uh, at times uh so tomic is going to help protect those lands on top of that you know a card that i really like in in legendary decks especially legendary matters decks especially when you're in white here is is one of our legendary sorceries from dominaria so this is urza's ruinous blast it costs four and a white it says exile all non-land permanents that aren't legendary this is really going to hurt your opponents a lot more than it's going to hurt you i love this card Mm -hmm. love this card and even when you're running a deck that doesn't have just a ton of legendary permanents this feels like a cheaper winds of abandoned overloaded (laughs) and you don't give them the land granted you're you're you have your legendary you have to have your commander out or a legendary permanent of Mm -hmm. some sort Mm -hmm. so you can have a legendary land uh no it has, no, to, be it has to be a legendary or creature or planeswalker yeah yeah but yeah. but that's okay you'll have that out probably yeah. in every this deck. single deck runs at least one of those it's you're not wrong at least at least one at least one you have to technically it's likely i wonder how many decks run more than one like like just on average how much you know probably if someone has those numbers get at us yeah edh rec uh pull those numbers for us <laughs> um there's also uh, a few just like kind of standard uh control effects that you're going to run uh, austere command to help out with 
artifact heavy, enchantment heavy, or hit everything that's low that's trying to block you out. Um, Chaos Warp to just hit things, Generous Gift to hit things, like probably the best. My, my two favorite removal cards in red and white are probably Chaos Warp and Generous Gift. So, uh, And then Swords to Plowshare, Path to Exile. You, you got to love it. I like the uh, I like the inclusion here of wear and tear. It's one of our fuse cards from Dragon's Maze. So for one in a red, you can destroy target artifact, and for one white, you can destroy target enchantment, or you can just pay the whole cost of it and then destroy an enchantment and an artifact. Mm-hmm. I just really like that. I love the utility cards. You n- normally don't see that <laughs> kind of utility unless you're playing in green. And then there's also like three other options and it only costs one mana. It, exactly. <laughs> and then this deck is also running Forsake the Worldly, which I also don't see very often. This is a common from Amonkhet. So it's an instance says exile target artifactor enchantment for two and a white, but it's got cycling for two. Mm-hmm. So that's that's nice because I find a lot, and we've had this discussion before, I think having a way to remove enchantments is really important because those are more they do more damage than five artifacts do. Five treasures, that's scary because they can do something big. But one doubling season without a, a, a removal spell for sure can go on for turns right and go i don't know how to answer this now right like it's like i think i think how we said it before was like 90 percent of enchantments <laughs> are super impactful and only 40 to 50 percent of artifacts are super impactful maybe maybe even less than that did you say 90 90 percent of enchantments and then what was your other percentage 40 to 50 so we're at a hundred and 40%? No, they're they're treated as individual <laughs> oh, statistics. Okay. I thought we were trying to <laughs> no. do that's like coil that does not make a hundred. 90% of the time you want to kill the enchantment. 50% of the time you want to kill the artifact. And 80% of the time it works 100% of the time. That's right. <laughs> All right. So now that we've talked about how uh, we're going to control our opponents and we talked about our card advantage, we got to talk about how we're going to win the game. Uh, so and in this particular deck, this deck swings with creatures. So we're going to win the game by killing our opponents by swinging with creatures. Exactly. So I want to talk about, you know, a creature that most don't get to see, mm-hmm. but it's always an enjoyment. And I honestly think it's an enjoyment for like everyone when you get to see it because everyone wants to celebrate it. So it's it's not one, but two creatures combined Ooh. with our powers combined we are a total <laughs> monstrosity we we are so i am talking <laughs> about gisela the broken uh gisela the broken blade and bruna the fading light so these are both legendary angels from eldritch moon uh gisela the broken blade has flying first strike lifelink it's a four three that says at the beginning of your end step if you control both gisela and bruna uh, you can meld them. And Bruna is a flying 5-7 uh, with Vigilance that costs 5 white-white. Um, and when it enters, you can return target angel or uh, human from your graveyard to the battlefield. So um, in this deck, we're not really throwing things into our graveyard. Some decks are are just pitching that Drizella as quickly as it can to hopefully play the, the Bruna later. Or you usually see this with... Uh, the the actual commander is Bruna because mm-hmm. um, it's the one that can just bring the other one back. Right. Um, but when they flip, um, they become uh, quite quite a monster. So they <laughs> uh, they become Brazella, uh, Voice of Nightmares, uh, and Brazella, Voice of Nightmares is a nine ten creature that has flying, first strike, vigilance, lifelink, and your opponents can't cast spells with converted mana cost three or less. That's 
That's all on one card. That's pretty good. Pretty good. It's, it's, well, it's all on two cards. Right? I guess it's all on two cards. <laughs> when you flip them upside down and set them next to each other. So meld was a mechanic that we have not seen come back. Was only used on, I think, were there... Were there four different melds? I think there were only four different things that could meld. There was like the land and the and the creature. There was uh, two different kinds of creature. I think there might only be four. There might only be three. But Brazella, uh swinging in for nine uh, with lifelink and <laughs> vigilance is real good. If you have Aurelia out, it's swinging for 18 because yeah. you get to swing with it twice. Uh-huh. And your opponents can't cast their Path to Exiles or their, their Generous Gifts or their Chaos Warps or... All the things that we pack into our decks that are cheap, none of them. I have to use my my quote unquote bad four mana removal, quote unquote, eat to extinction. Love that card. I don't know how much mana removal I run that's greater than three, other than a board wipe. Personally, so I, think, I do so not know. I, I would agree with you. I think when when I'm talking about four mana removal, I'm going to board wipe, not individual removal. In most cases. I, so I agree with so, you. So you have to. So I guess Brazella only gets killed by board wipes in our, from our decks. Pretty much. That's I mean, for, for how I build, I would say that I'm not. I'm not able to remove Brazella unless it's a Wrath of God or a Damnation or a over. No, you, can you even overload Cyclonic Rift yeah, on the stack at seven? Yeah, so you can. But I, I'm, I'm going to have to pay a lot of mana to deal with Brazella. Sure. <laughs> that is kind of funny though. Returning Brazella to someone's hand is two different creatures again. It's kind of like mutate, except. It happened before Mutate. Yeah. So what about when Gisela before then? So Gisela, when Gisela was a was a red-white angel. Like yeah. Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight. Uh, for four, a red-white-white. White. You get a legendary creature, Angel 5-5 five, five, with Flying and First Strike. The set of source would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls. That source deals double that damage to that player or permanent instead. And if a source would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, prevent half that damage, round it up. Um, so yeah, this is going to help close out games by doubling damage. Um, I think that the, the having damage on your creatures is especially important for situations where uh, someone can block once during a combat or something mm-hmm. and preventing the damage so that your creatures don't die and you can get in on that second combat afterward. Um, but yeah, doubling your damage and doubling your combats. How could you go wrong? I Gisela Blade of Gold Knight, it always seems so expensive, and I don't add it to my decks because it costs seven. But every time I see somebody play that for seven, because just the way that games go, once you're you're into that point of the game, you're like, oh, uh-oh. I've probably used my removal on things that helped get us to this point in the game, and I for might sure. not have something to deal with this now. Ten damage is so much. It's a lot. It's Ten so- on a single swing. Yeah, and it's-, it's 20 on two if you got if you got uh aurelia if you got Aurelia, and, and that's not even accounting for, for aurelia's any damage other cre- for any other creatures that you have either right right um black blade reforged this is a really solid artifact mm-hmm. even better because it cares about legendary creatures sure so you can just stick it on any of them so uh black blade reforged is an artifact equipment that costs two mana uh it says equipped creature gets plus one plus one for each land you control we all play those um, and you're, you know, by the time you play this, you're probably, by the time you play this and equip it, you're probably at four, five, six lands. Um, it has equip creature, equip creature for seven or equip legendary creature for three. Oh yeah. And we have so many legendary creatures. You're, you're probably just going to put this on a legendary creature. It just makes sense too. Mm-hmm. So you have more mana to do things with. Um, 
But imagine that on a Giselle. I mean, yeah, I guess <laughs> this is this is the one really good part about having high CMC creatures is that your Black Blade Reforge will always be already huge by the time you put it on your creature. And putting that on Aurelia to get in with commander damage is a real thing. Oh yeah, you're, you'll you'll just kill someone that way very easily. Um, you know what's better than having to pay three mana to equip an equipment? Free, free. Free 99, baby. So Hero's Blade is a two-mana uh, artifact equipment. It says equip for, um, and the equipped creature gets plus three, plus two, but it also has this extra text that says whenever a legendary creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach Hero's Blade to it. So just, you know, a free plus three, plus two pump, uh, and then you can continuously move it to the next best legendary creature. So, you know, you get this out on two, you attach it to your legendary creature on three, and then your next legendary creature on four and five and six and blah, 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 until it's on your Gisela Blade of Gold Knight. Because that's the theme we're going for. It is. Double that damage. You know, an- another artifact uh, equipment that we have here, Shadow Spear. For one mana, uh, equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has uh, trample and lifelink. Equip two and pay one permanence. Your opponent's control lose hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. I don't think people think about that shadow spear second ability there, but we have so we have a good amount of targeted removal here that shadow spear allows us to, to target those hexproof creatures. It's great for sure. And then if, even if someone has like a. Um, like gods that they're blocking with or indestructibles because it's like oh at least i can i i have uh indestructibles to block all of your flyers or something get rid of it shadow spear for one not today yeah so another utility artifact that we have uh in this deck is Sunforger. Sunforger being a three mana equipment says equipped creature gets plus four plus oh huge bonus if you can actually keep it on it but most people use it for the second ability of paying a red and a white to unattached Sunforger. search your library for a red or white instant card with converted mana cost four or less and cast that card without paying its mana cost then shuffle your library um so I think like the best the best one you can find here is Boros Charm, and then you can either save your board or give a creature double strike. I think that's what you're going to do in most cases with Sunforger in this deck, kind of looking through it, other than look for a piece of removal. Yeah, I mean, you can hit Wear and Tear, uh, Swords to Plowshares, Path to Exile, Generous Gift, Forsake the Worldly, and Chaos Warp with this as well. So mm-hmm. you have a few options. That's right, that's right. You're not stuck just grabbing one single instant that that you. I'm always grabbing Boros. I'm gonna do four damage to someone's face, and they're not even gonna see it coming. They didn't. They didn't. <laughs> um, you know, this deck also runs. Um, this is not uh, a way to necessarily just close out the game, but a way that it, it just helps all of your creatures with it, with the Immortal Sun. So, an artifact that costs six players cannot activate Planeswalker loyalty ability at comes in handy a lot more than you might think yeah, just sure. one random planeswalker that someone played mm-hmm. at the beginning of your uh, draw step draw an additional card so you've got a low card advantage here but also spells you cast cost one less to cast we have very high cmc in this deck and then also creatures you control get plus one plus one so it's like plus two plus two almost if you're swinging with a rally on them yeah it's absolutely uh, i mean th- this card is bonkers and that's why it's it's 34 dollars and it hasn't gone down. And it was from Rivals of Ixalan, which I guess didn't get open that much either. But I always wanted this card, and it fits in literally every deck. So uh, I guess unless you're playing Super Friends. Don't play it in your Super Friends deck. Uh, because that is a global effect on Planeswalker abilities that can't be activated, not just your opponents. Um, Parker does not play any Planeswalkers. 
Not in this deck. In this deck. I don't know if they're even needed, but they could be so they could be two to research for glory. So if you wanted to add one, you mm-hmm. absolutely could find it. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's um uh the reasoning why Parker plays Immortal Sun in here, because there's no planeswalkers. But it's also just a really good card. Exactly. So we've got combat shenanigans. Those those can happen in this deck, right? So your commander's giving you two combats. So let's uh let's take advantage of that. Um I'd like to talk about a card here that we don't see very often. Enchantment, uh Duelist's Heritage, two and a white that says whenever one or more creatures attack, you may have target attacking creature gain double strike until end of turn. So um double strike twice is really cool. That's right, because it's every time you attack. Exactly. Yeah. So you can target one creature with it and it's it's until um end of turn and you mm-hmm. target another creature with it on the second combat and now you have two creatures with double strike. It's really great. Yeah. A similar effect uh with Bruce Tarl, Boorish Herder. So for two a red and a white, you get a human ally three three. This is whenever Bruce Tarl uh enters the battlefield or attacks, target creature you control gains double strike and lifelink until end of turn. Um so as long as uh Bruce has haste or doesn't have summoning sickness, you'll be able to swing with it twice and give two things, uh, double strike and lifelink. Yeah. So another thing here is uh, making it so that your creatures can't be blocked with Eroes God of Victory, a 7-4 legendary creature enchantment god, two white and a red. It says as long as your devotion to red and white is less than seven, it isn't a creature. And creatures you control can't be blocked except by two or more creatures, so your creatures really just have menace. And then uh, prevent all damage that would be dealt to attacking creatures you control that's great especially when you know you have to swing to win here for sure uh, a card that i uh, tried to build a deck around and never got it to work because it was a vehicles deck odric lunark marshall mm-hmm. uh, is really good uh, a four mana human soldier three three uh, it says at the beginning of your combat creatures you control gain all of the keywords of all of the other creatures you control um, and as Andy read all of the keywords off of the face commander at the beginning. Flying vigilance and haste is the minimum of what you're going to be giving all of your creatures and uh, flying being a pretty good uh, evasion tool as well. Yeah, um, we also have uh, more extra combats here in Morag Fury of Akum. So this is a legendary Minotaur warrior for four red red. It's a six six that says each creature you control gets plus one plus oh for each time it has attacked this turn. But it also has landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield. If it's your main phase, there's an additional phase after this phase um, and you get to go to combat once more and untap all the creatures that have attacked already. It was really great. Yeah. What's better than two combats? Three combats. What's better than three? Four. Yeah. How many more can we get? I don't know. I, I To be fair, I did not dive too deep into Mirage <laughs> to do the math to figure out how many times you could put a land in here, but I'm sure there's options. Yeah, there is. There is. Um, okay. So one of the new cards from Strixhaven, uh, one of the Deans, the Dean from Lorehold, we have Plarg, Dean of Chaos. I don't think we care about that side. How about Augusta, Dean of Order? So for three mana, two and a white, we get a human cleric. One, three? Yep. Sorry, it's like white on white. It was hard to read. Other tapped creatures you control get plus one, plus O. Other untapped creatures you control get plus O, plus one. And whenever you attack, untap each creature you control, then tap any number of creatures you control. So you can do a lot of tap, untap shenanigans uh, with your creatures or... Um, you know, so is this pseudo vigilance? I haven't actually looked up the ruling on this, but is it, so I swing with all of them, I untap them, but they're still in combat. It's not removed from combat. You, you untap them and then you can tap them. Oh, that's true because they, they're getting buffs based on whatever mm-hmm. you would like them to be at. Mm-hmm, exactly. It's like the, there's a sword that is kind of like that. The equipped creature, if it's untapped, all of your creatures get yes. plus O plus one. Yeah. Yep. 
So yeah, it's very similar effect, uh, but on a legendary creature. Uh, and to be fair, the other side with Plarg um, can be played as a card advantage card as well on, on turn two um, to discard a card and draw a card or reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a uh, a non-legendary. This is non-legendary. <laughs> hey, don't play Plarg. Don't play the Plarg side in your legendary. It does say deck. until you reveal a non-legendary non-land card with mana value three or less. I guess if you want a removal spell, you're going to find it or your uh, tutor, your search for glory or a piece of ramp. That's about it, though. I mean, sometimes it matters. It's true. It also does do discard a card and draw a card. So the ability itself, you don't have to activate the the, the second ability for five. That's true. Um, we also, I um, there is a a very competitive combo in this deck. I saved this one for you. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's very it's a very cool combo. And when the game needs to end, the game can just potentially just end. So this is a th- there is a helm of the host and a Goto Bandit Warlord in this deck. Got to do it. So if you're not familiar, Goto uh, Bandit Warlord is a three three human barbarian for six five and a red that says when it enters, you may search your library for an equipment and put it into play. If you do shuffle your library, and then whenever go to attacks for the first time each turn, untap it and all samurai you control. I'm sure you're running a ton of samurai. Um, and then uh, you get an additional combat phase. Well, if you grab the Helm of the Host and you put it into play and you equip it, Helm of the Host says at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a token that's a copy of the equipped creature, except it's not legendary. Um, and that token gains haste. So, so all you really need to have is... Um, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven mana, right? Mm-hmm. Eleven mana. Uh, so you play the Goto, you equip the Helm of the Host, and then you go to just infinite combat steps. Yep. And 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 as long as an opponent doesn't have a uh, uh, an indestructible blocker, right? So, yeah, that's pretty much. It's like it's like as long as uh, you're as long as you have one new Goto every turn, or and you can get in if they fogged. Well, that <laughs> well then they happen. can't take any damage for the rest of for the, the rest turn. of the turn. Yeah. You know, that, that happens too, but um, then I've you, seen it. I've seen the Goto come out and it's like, I have a legendary Toski or something. You're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, I can't get through. Yeah. Then you just like, I'm going to just make as many Godos as possible or something and pass the turn and hope I get there next turn. So some would argue this is this is a combo that you would play in a, in a really competitive. I don't think that this is built in a way that this would be offensive in any way, shape or form. Goto is cool if you need to close the game out, grab the Helm of the Host. Um Goto's legendary. Helm of the Host is also legendary. You can just search for them in other ways if you want to grab Helm of the Host and stick it on Aurelia. Yeah, I mean, that's also I, really, really strong. I mean, it's also really good with just your commander. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next thing we want to go to uh, kind of quick, uh, not, 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 I mean, not necessarily quickly, but the, the ramp package. So there's a lot of standard ramp that Parker is playing in this with like Arcane Signet, Boros Signet, Wafers, Bobble, Talisman of Conviction. Um, but there's some other stuff in here that I really wanted to point out. I really like Core Cartographer played in this deck. Uh, core Cart- Cartographer is a three and a white Core Scout 2-2. So when it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a planes card and put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. It doesn't say basic planes, so you can go find a dual land. Um, it is ramp on four, and I know a lot of people don't like to ramp that late. Uh, but at the same time, we're we have a six mana uh, six mana commander here, so ramping on four really isn't that big of a deal. And we can let this die and get hit and, and um, go down to a two two. Um, but we also have Joyra's Familiar, which I think is 
the best card uh, for for the ramp package in this deck. And Jorva's Familiar is a four generic mana, two, two artifact creature bird, colorless. Says has flying and historic spells you cast cost one less to cast. So, um, I mean, we're playing about 10 different uh, mana ramp artifacts that are going to cost less. Every single legendary creature is going to cost less. Um, there's a saga in here that's going to cost less. It, it, it's going to be a really good card to get out as early as possible. Yeah, I see um, Alanis Morissette made it into the stack. <laughs> I'm very much excited about that. So um, I will never stop using that joke. Um, Captain Landry Storm looks just like Alanis Morissette. Isn't that ironic? Isn't that ironic? (laughs) (laughs) So Captain Landry Storm, a human pirate 2-2 with haste for two and a red that says whenever Captain Landry Storm attacks, create a treasure and you can sack it. And whenever you sack a treasure, Captain Landry Storm gets plus one plus so until end of turn. I like that a lot. Also particularly good as an attack trigger. Um, Similarly, Sword of the Animist, a two mana legendary artifact equipment that gives the equipped creature plus one plus one with an equip cost of two has an attack trigger to allow you to search your library for a basic land and put it onto the battlefield tapped. Uh, and if you're swinging two times per turn, um, you know, you might not think, Oh, I already have my commander out with sort of the animus out. I'm already at six mana. I don't really need more. You do. You need to cast two angels per turn. If you don't have enough mana to cast two angels per turn, you don't have enough mana yet. Oh my gosh. But <laughs> what if it's, what if your two angels per turn though are Aurelia and the original Giselle? <laughs> That's fine. That's too many angels per turn if you have that much mana. It's okay. You got to you got to try to you got to try to close this game out. What you got to do? We've also got some token generators in here, um, all on legendary creatures. I see that we've got Ragavan making an appearance, but only as a creature token mm-hmm. off of Kari's of Sky Shepraider. Although Ragavan, solid include for this deck though. It's it, legendary, can get you some ramp early, exile some cards. Maybe you need something that you're exiling, but this Ragavan is also just a really cute monkey. Um, so uh, Kari Zev, uh, first strike menace one, three for one and a red. So you got some early drops here. Um, whenever Kari Zev Skyship Raider attacks, you create a legendary two, one monkey named Ragavan tapped and attacking and exile um, Ragavan at the end of that combat. It's kind of nice that you're getting in for three starting on, I mean, starting on three, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually, on turn three. And, and Ragavan actually being a legendary creature permanent is uh, relevant for our hero's podium. So it's actually yes. going to pump everything as it comes out. Yep. Um, similarly, <laughs> I, I've said similarly a lot, um, and it's not always exactly similarly. Indubitably. So, uh, Cranko, Tin Street Kingpin, is nothing like Kari Zev, but definitely takes advantage of this her- hero's Same podium colors. a little bit more. Same colors That's here. true. Uh, so Cranko, Tin Street Kingpin is a deck that I used to have. So if two in a red, you get a 1-2 legendary creature goblin that says whenever Cranko, Tin Street Kingpin attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, then create a number of 1-1 one, one red goblin creature tokens equal to Cranko's power. So if you have that hero's podium out and Cranko's 10 power, you're going to get 10 goblins. Um, most of the time we're going to use them to block in this deck or you have extra combats and they're all they're all going town maybe and then you have an outpost siege and you just decide to name dragons like go ahead board wipe my 10 goblins hey i like having those options we're like i've never done this and it really matters right now Mm -hmm. it really matters um but you could also run um Bramaz, King of Arescos, mm-hmm. right? So we've got a 3-4 Cat Soldier for one white-white. Whenever uh, Bramaz attacks, put a 1-1 one, one white Cat Soldier creature token onto the uh, with Vigilance onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. And whenever uh, Bramaz blocks a creature, put a Cat Soldier with Vigilance onto the battlefield, also blocking that creature. So um, more tokens. 
Yeah. Uh, and then the last token gener- generator we have here is God Eternal Okecha. So for three white, white, you get a zombie god with double strikes. So whenever you cast a creature spell, create a 4 4 black zombie warrior creature token, and then has the uh, War of the Spark god text where it goes into your library rather than into your graveyard. I don't love the the token generation part of this card in this deck because I don't think you're going to be casting a lot of creature spells per turn, but it has double strike, so it's going to be good in multiple combats. And and those 4-4s four potentially having just two combats themselves with the Realia, but also 4-4 four, four blockers, that's not nothing. It's also not nothing to have the ability to make black creatures in a Boros deck. It can matter for like fear and stuff and intimidate and stuff like that. I've, I've seen it matter in, in games. Yeah, so let's scoot over now to our lands. We do have some legendary lands here. Some of them that are... that. Let's talk about the, the utility lands here first. Sure, sure, sure. Um, one of these that I really like, and I've actually just recently seen the light on, is Core Haven. So it's a legendary land that only taps for colorless, um, but it has pay one and a white and tap it, prevent all combat damage that we dealt by target attacking creature this turn. That's really great. Yeah, that's how my, uh, how my Zergo deck did not win was actually core haven someone core haven you fogging every turn i had a i had a sort of uh of red and white war and peace on it this is not a white card this is a colorless card yeah yeah so it was really cool uh to have it um we also have some cards uh one card that i know you play in your noyandar deck and that's uh iajango castle did i pronounce that correctly i think it's iganjo iganjo castle legendary land that taps for a white or you can pay a white and tap it to print the next two damage that would be dealt to target legendary creature this turn. Keeping your creatures alive in this deck. Got to do it. Um, how about some graveyard hate? I'll, I'll cover the graveyard. Okay. Hate. I usually do. We'll let you do it this time. <laughs> Scavenger Grounds is a desert from Hour of Devastation that, that can tap for a colorless. Or you can pay two and tap it to sacrifice a desert to exile all cards from all graveyards. Uh, quickly looking through, there are no other deserts other than Scavenger Ground. So you're just going to sacrifice Scavenger Ground for this one. Yeah, exactly. We've got a couple of cards here that actually will affect combat damage. There's Sun Home, Fortress of the Legion, Slayer's Stronghold, and Shinka, the Blood-Soaked Keep. I've never played with Shinka, the Blood-Soaked Keep, ever. But it's a legendary land. Pay one and uh, pay, pay a red and tap it. Target legendary creature gains first strike. Slayer's Stronghold has pay a red and a white and tap it. Target creature... Target creature gets plus two plus O and gains vigilance and haste. And then Sunhome uh, Fortress of the Legion has pay four, two, a red and a white to give target creature double strike till end of turn. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and and, and the last land here uh, to to round out the utility lands, Tyrite Sanctum, uh, relatively new from Call Time. Um, Tyrite Sanctum can tap for a colorless. You can use two and tap it and target legendary creature becomes a god in addition to its other types and put a plus one plus one counter on it. Or you can pay four and tap it to sacrifice the land to put an indestructible counter on target god. Uh, There are a few gods in the deck, three gods in the deck, um, but you could also use this to quote unquote upgrade your creatures into gods and then make them indestructible. So... Uh, very powerful card uh, takes a couple turns to set up but definitely worth it yeah um so now that we've gone through the deck right and rounding out that rounding out that deck we we've got um 28 additional lands um i think this deck's really fun i've played against this a few have you played i've played against this a few times you played against I've a few played times it, yeah at least once at least once um it, it definitely you know it puts threats on the battlefield uh it, it struggles a little bit um just like keeping up with later in the game when people are playing you know four or five spells per turn Um, but if you can keep those threats out there if you can get that protection out there it's really difficult to deal with yeah 
I, I taking a look, right? So a few of the suggestions that we would that we would make, right? So you had mentioned maybe switching out those basics for snow or mm-hmm. just having a rule zero discussion. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't mention that Kedis is also in this deck, mm-hmm. really strong when Aurelia swings. Um, I, I didn't take a look at the actual number of humans versus non-humans, but, you know, Winota is also a legendary creature. I'm not sure how many hits you would actually get off of it, but something to think about, especially when you're already playing a legendary deck. I know there are a few uh, humans in here. I do believe that the um, uh, Deans are. Actually, they are not. It's an Orc Shaman. They're both Orc Shamans? Well, you can't, you can't the get side. the other, you can't get the flip side though. Oh, okay. So, um, but Audric is a human. There you go. Bruce Tarl, also human. So you can grab a few things with Winota. So maybe you would have to, you know, poise it a little bit different. Um, Karizev. Tomek and Thalia. So, yeah, there's a few things that you could hit with it. Um, maybe I like have leaning really hard numbers. into the legendary strategy though. Sure. So yeah. that, that's where I would go with that. I, I mean, it's really, it's really good um the legendary strategy because i know uh, do you have any legendary matters decks yourself i do i have an azorius one with uh neambia steam speaker mm-hmm. but that's a a legendary reanimate deck so right. i discard my stuff and bring it back for cheaper right and then i have the generic uh legendary i don't want the legendary rule i'm gonna make as many copies of the same legendary creature as possible deck in my saltai Ikrishidiki Sakashima of a Thousand Faces deck. Exactly. So. I think Legendary Matters is a really fun strategy. I think people really enjoy playing it and playing against it. Yeah. It's always cool just to see, oh, wow, I've seen that commander as a deck by itself. Mm-hmm. And oh, I've seen that one. Oh, I've seen that <laughs> one too. Oh, shoot. I've got five really strong things coming at me. Yeah. Uh, now now people are going to think you're playing, uh, what, was it Raiki and stealing everyone else's commanders? Because that's what your board state's going to look like by the end of it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, that is the end of our episode, Parker. Thank you so much for being a patron and thank you for submitting this deck. Um, we will post a link to the deck list when the show goes live. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening. Um, if you would like to contact us, you can find our podcast online at the Guardian Project Podcast. Podcast.com. You can find our social media on Twitter at GuardianPod and our gameplay videos at youtube.com slash the Guardian Project. And you can email us at guardianprojectpod at gmail.com. You can find me online uh, on Twitter at ATFlory. And you can find me online at Twitter at Wormcoil Engine. And special thanks to Ryan Nichols, our producer and editor. We appreciate you. And another special thanks to Chris Wolf, our graphic design liaison person. Pro. Thanks, Chris artist (laughs) (laughs) we'll see you all next week bye bye bye